Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We're live and good evening. And no, I'm not a white guy in a bucket hat. I'm a brown guy in a blues hat, and joining this brown guy in this blues hat tonight is Steve. How are we going tonight, yeah, Steve? Yeah, a bit of a yeah, a bit of a half breed that's joining you this evening, <laughs> covering covering uh, both sides of the stratosphere, being uh, Maori and European as well, or Maori and Irish as, as well. But, hey, all in all, it's a privilege and a pleasure to be on the TDM uh once again and uh listen just before we sort of move on a big shout out to our creator mr mm. mr paul baines it's his uh, birthday today what is he 70 no 80 <laughs> <laughs> 21 again we, mate 21 again we, 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 we have a very very happy birthday and uh, i think he's celebrating his birthday with his uh um with his family this evening so hey all the very best i hope you had a great day paul yeah, absolutely. Um, going going out for dinner with the the uh, family tonight. So, um, well well earned night off. And obviously, um, would have seen tweets um, either today or yesterday. Um, basically, four hundred episodes of uh, of um, the New Zealand Sport Radio morning briefing. So uh, you know, puts in a big puts in the big yards, waking up every morning um, and, and putting that out four hundred times in a row. I think he slept in once. Yep, and he's done. He's done absolutely amazing. In fact, I was going to send him a message this morning and to watch it while he was on the show. But there was obviously no show. He'd, he'd uh, taken a taken the morning off. So good on him. He absolutely. Yeah. It. In fact, I actually looked on uh, Twitter as well. And uh, interestingly enough, NZ Sport Radio or the, the TDM as it's known, uh, quite a few followers as well. Ashwin ran about what 14,000 followers. So that's really impressive. That's really impressive. I oh, magnificent job, and I think um, you know a, a chance for us here to sort of basically, um, sort of like you know, um, highlight the achievements that he's made because he won't do it himself, obviously. Um, but you know, the show's been going on um, from from what like about four years or so more, and then obviously last year during COVID times we launched or Paul launched New Zealand Sport Radio, um, particularly with those morning sport briefings and. Um, We've grown it from there, and 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 when you look at the channel that he's created, um, obviously based on rugby, but now with uh, a league show, um, uh, we've got the Knicks show, uh, you know, and obviously the the, the 
Super Rugby reviews, etc. Um, so cricket's in hiatus, and one day, once we can get some uh, cricket knowledgeable people uh, um, available and not coaching, we'll get that going again as well. So, um, you know, it, it, the achievement's actually amazing that what he's been able to put together. Oh, very much so, with a with the help of a few friends along the way, and uh, I've got to say we've certainly in, enjoyed it, and uh, it's it's fun being part of the uh, New Zealand Sport Radio family, and uh, getting out there and, and sort of covering a lot of grassroots is uh, probably our biggest enjoyment. But uh, with with the show, we can take it in any direction, uh, Ashwin, and I'm pretty yes, sure exactly. You're gonna, you're, so, gonna, you're the captain of the ship. This year, ex- gonna, absolutely, so, in that direction. Hundred percent. So, because Paul's not here tonight, we'll be talking blues rugby, and uh, if we get a bit of time, we might talk about these other topics that we've got on the side as well. We weren't kidding. Uh, Paul. Of... We weren't kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he, he thought we were in jest, but no. <laughs> yeah, just just Simon. Um, basically, just uh, Paul's birthday today, so um, he's uh, taking a night off to go have dinner with the family and uh, celebrate. Uh, Another milestone and another another year on this mortal coil. So uh, we'll, we'll be you'll be having to put up with us for this evening. So cracking on into it, and um, we'll start off with um, someone who's had a remarkable uh, career and um, an amazing amount of achie- achievements. And uh, one Kieran Reed, who's um, announced his retirement. Um, I think um, basically. Went out in the semi-finals um, over the weekend, and um, and now be coming home to. Um, we, we don't know whether he's going to Christchurch or whether he's going to be living in uh, Manurewa, um with the in-laws, um, but uh, he's going to be uh, basically hanging the boots up. Yeah, but it appears so. That's All Black uh, 1,083, Kieran Reid. Well, he played for uh, the All Blacks between 2008 and 2019, and is one of the most capped players of all time and that's probably behind uh, Richie McCloy. He was the IRB Player of the Year in 2013 and he was also a key member of the uh, All Black winning side that won the World Cup in uh, 2011 and 2015. So he's one of the few players out there that's won multiple uh, World Cups. He's captained the All Blacks on 52 occasions and uh, as previously said, he's the uh, uh, second ranked of all time all Blacks out there. He scored 26 tries during his international career and is the third most capped All Black in history, having played over 127 tests across an 11-year career. Now, Reid played for the Crusaders in uh, Super Rugby, winning uh, four titles. He's also captain Canterbury, winning uh, multiple titles at uh, provincial level and uh, in his final year domestically was the uh, skipper of, uh, actually I don't think he was the skipper of uh, Counties Monaco. He didn't play a lot of games. And of course his final season in Japan uh, saw that culminate on the weekend with uh, unfortunately his team Toyota Verblitz uh, knocked out in the semi-final. But uh, boy, a pretty amazing all-round talented player who was also a very good cricketer who played age group cricket for Northern Districts, but also played for the New Zealand under-17 cricket team and was destined uh, for big things in the the 11-man code, but decided 15, the 15-man code was more, more his go. Boy, talented sportsman, actually. Talented sportsman. And and it's just like, it's funny, you know, with all those achievements that he's made, one of the things that sticks in my head was actually in, um, I can't remember what the name of the movie or the documentary that they put together, well, not documentary, the movie slash telly movie that they put together was the Stephen Donnell story. 
and uh, the guy walked into the Waioku, um, I'm not Waioku, what's the, Wesley College, and talking to the principal there, and it's like, oh, and speaks to Stan Donald, he's like, oh, just off to um, Rosehall College and going to go chat to some guy called Kieran Reid. Yeah, absolutely. But um, seen it, seen, seen. Um, as said, obviously, uh, at a development age as well, earmarked for some bigger things. But also, you know, self, um, ad admittedly by Kira Mead, Reed, he used to go along to Eden Park, sit on the um, east in the terraces, and dream of becoming a blues player one day. But. Uh, <laughs> Another one that uh, got away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we we we're, we're so in the blues area. We're so so good at teleidentification. Teleidentification. Yeah, we 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 hand, we identify them and then we hand them on to other people <laughs> where, they, where they become uh, uh, great players. You know, great players. When when you when you're talking about great number eights, great all black number eights, he's got to come in the conversation. And you know, there's another certain. Uh, all black number eight would be obviously the great Zinzan Brook, and that's who you'll inevitably be be compared with. But like, you've also like, got like the, players, yeah, you've got Mixed you've got Buck Shelford, but boy, he's he's arguably in that top three conversation, isn't he? I look, I I sort of think you know, I mean, the, the prior to Kieran Reid, or you know, during Kieran Reid's playing day, so to speak, um, before he racked up the numbers that he did. You, you, it was Buck versus Zinni, really. I mean, I know you, you mentioned Murray Mixted as well, but really the debate used to be around Buck or Zinni. Um, and now, basically, the, the, that'd be the three now, is uh, Buck, Zinni or Kieran Reid. Oh, ab ab absolutely. And listen, we, we kind of look at his game and, and what made him the player that that he that he was. And I, I listen, he... I think Zinzan Brook was the benchmark in terms of a of a number eight that could do some pretty amazing things. Amazing things that was multi skilled, and I think Kieran Reid actually brought some his own little tricks into the into the game. His ability to to range wide, master tactician when it came to the to the to the line out. We uh, there was uh, there was a time between I think it was probably in the early two thousands to about two thousand and seven where we couldn't buy a line out. Um, when Kieran Reid came into this All Black side, uh, from what I've heard, he, he pretty much remodelled it. And there were times, and you saw that with the Crusaders, when their lineout was faltering, all of a sudden he'd call himself. So very good in that area, very good ranging wide, great defender. There's one particular hit on Rocky Alsom at the 2011 World Cup semi final at Eden Park against Australia, where he. Uh, um, Rocky was busy striding down the middle of the field, but out of the darkness. <laughs> Boomfa. Came boom far, as uh, Justin Marshall would say, just an absolutely fantastic, fantastic hit. And those will stay in the memory. Also, some of those performances in South Africa where he was ranging wide and we were mm. starting to see the offload. Obviously, Sunnyville Williams had brought the offload in, 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 into the game. But, man, uh, just a really good skill set. It's, 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 I think, you know, when, when you mention South Africa, to me, he seemed to save his best for South Africa. When you, when you, when you can... You can just picture him uh, quite often with the games in in South Africa, um, uh, particularly in the high valley. The way that he used to be mob so mobile around the field and just everywhere. And and I suppose the memories of him, as say, running around in an All Black jersey in South Africa, probably stick in my mind stronger than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very much so. And I'll tell you another. Uh, it proves another point. I can recall a a semi final where they played against the Sharks. 
down in in Christchurch for the Crusaders. And that particular night, I think the Sharks really got stuck into the Crusaders' pack. And to be honest, the only one that stood up to that to them that night was was Kieran Reid. He he was just absolutely amazing. Another one of his little skills that he had in his kit was his ability to win kickoff receives and basically attack attack it in the air. We can I can think back to a game in I think it was Dunedin where Australia and the All Blacks were going try for try and there was only about a couple of minutes left and we needed to win the kickoff. And he won the kickoff, got involved with a carry and then ran a brilliant angle and threw an inside pass to I think it was Bowden Barrett who scored scored beside the pace and it just showed you the measure of the man or his his ability in the air. Probably if there was, if there was a, probably a, a little bit of a downside to Kieran Reid, just I think there was a, maybe a season or a season and a half where he had a bit of a back injury. And I mm. I don't think when he came back from that injury, he was quite the same player, Ishwin, if we were, if we were really honest. Um, yeah, I, no, I agree with you. agree with you. Um, I, but I, I think the, the thing that he, um, the thing that helped him out was just the immense amount of experience that he had that sort of filled that gap Obviously, with the the lack, or, or I don't know how to put it, the right words, but you know, as you said, he wasn't the player that he was before the back injury. But um, because of his experience, not really noticeable. Well, noticeable because you knew what he was capable of, but still maintain these extremely high standards. Oh, very much so. And even he was a little bit like McCaw and Carter pre two thousand and fifteen, where they were basically written off. Uh, before that World Cup, but boy, he came out and proved himself. Even if you look at that World Cup, he still played reasonably well in the World Cup. I, I suppose one area where he where he suffered, we always know that sometimes great players have great allies. You think back to Zinzan Brook, he had Michael Jones and Alan Witten. Um, you know, got, guys like that. There was, you know, and then he had the likes of Jamie Joseph. He had some good number sixes. You know, when the likes of Jerome kind of moved moved on from the All Blacks. I don't know if the All Black selectors ever actually found the num- number six, and I still I still don't think they've actually found another six. And then you lose the great Richie McCaw, the great one, and you're you know, and then you've got Sam Sam Kane, who's who can be at times a much maligned player by by the public out there, but still the the number one choice in the mm. selectors. But he still had to remodel his game, yeah, to, you know, yeah. to to the way the team that was playing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's like, you know, I think what you're saying, you know, since Kieran Reid, well, you know, the, the Richie McCall, Kieran Reid and Jerome Kaino sort of um, back three of the scrum for the All Blacks have moved on. Um, they really haven't se- settled on a back three combination that's worked for them to the levels that, as you've alluded to, the, the when we had the previous greats with when Zinni was at eight, to when Kieran Reid is there, they haven't actually got it. I mean, even now today, who's going to be the number eight this year? Um, Artie's out. Um, even if Artie was available, is he the eight? Is he the seven? Are we going to play a very mobile um, three with um, Artie at six? It, really, they're just not confident in their back row at the moment. And uh, it just shows what a hole he, le- he left when um, he, he re- sort of left the All Black scene. Oh. Listen, listen, very, very much so. I could even see in that semi-final when they were knocked out in, in 2009, you, you saw a man that was really, really broken. It would have been the perfect fairy tale uh, way to go out. But you and I both know international sport is, is, is never never a fairy tale. Um, yep. even, even a couple of our greatest uh, players in, in terms of maybe Dan Carter and, and Richie McCaw 
had to do to endure a uh, a uh, was it a quarterfinal exit against the French in uh, two thousand and and seven. So yeah, definitely, um, definitely not probably the way that he wanted to go out. I I don't know if he's the sort of player that's ever probably received quite the accolades that he that he should have, and he, and he probably does get unfairly compared to uh, to the likes of Zinzan Brook and Buck Shelford and, and guys like that, especially. But like I say, man, right up there, and only you, you know, only time will tell how good how good. <laughs> yeah. Kieran, Kieran Reid was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's usually something uh, a few years down the road, you then you start to look back. Um, in terms of just, I brought up Scott's comment there. I, I think what we're relating to there, Scott, is the fact is that have, it's the settled back row. Um, you like The players that you mentioned and Cullen Grace coming through, um, Hoskins, who had a blinder last week, um, and then you got um, um, Lachlan Bashir and, and the likes coming through. But at the end of the day, it's about a combination of a back three putting it together and um, that's what I don't think that the All Blacks have quite achieved since the moving on Richie and um, and now Kieran as well so uh, that's the thing and as as um, you alluded to Steve as, uh, and Stefan's also uh, you know people die in fairy tales all the time Stefan <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeepers have you had a bad day Stefan <laughs> and, and, and you have to be careful these days because you know what 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 the uh, prince did to sleeping beauty was not good either anymore <laughs> yeah yeah oh. oh hey but before we go before we go down a fairy tale uh, rabbit hole um or how would you do you want to rank your top 3 or you just want to stick with the top 3 oh man i I think you probably have to have to stick with with, with Zinni because he he bought a he bought a, a he bought a dimension nobody nobody had seen before and we always knew his his skill level and and, and what he was capable of. and boy he had all the skills not too many not too many weaknesses I I suppose the only real area you could argue where Reed might have been that touch better is just the, the line-out ability, because, uh, and I suppose when you think about it, at the time, the All Blacks had a very powerful line-out in Ian Jones, Alan Wheaton, so they had a line-out, a lot of line-out options, so when you've options. got those sort of options, and don't forget, this was back in the days where you actually had to jump, get your feet off the ground, you had nobody lifting, by, <laughs> lifting unless, you yeah. playing, unless you were playing in South Africa. Um, <laughs> um, no, 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 that was not lifting, that was that just was holding the player at the top of the jump. Oh, supporting, yes. Yes, yeah, yes. supporting, that's right. S- that was not lifting. Oh, listen, he's, yeah, he's, he's, man, like I say, he's right in the conversation. But as Stefan said before, you know, yeah, it's not it's not always a fairy tale sometimes. And when we are picking these sides, some very, very, very good players miss out. Miss um, out, yeah. But, yeah, listen, he's he's top two. Him, I, I wouldn't have a, an issue with him or Zinni, I think, uh I think um, the likes of uh, inside word from Japan readers borrowing brownies camp and heading to England to appear in pleated yeah. blinders. Wow! Yeah, if you, it's like if you haven't seen the image yet, it's uh, all he needs is to borrow uh, brownies cap, and uh, he's a dead ringer for Peaky Blinders there. So uh, yeah, look out, look out in the east end of uh, the England. Oh, absolutely! And he's got the look. He's got the look for it, hasn't he? You know, and oh, absolutely. I think I think I saw a black and white pick of him, pick of him somewhere. And he looked. He kind of looked a bit like a gangster. So he, he <laughs> might be ideal. Thanks for that, Rich Freeman. I hope everything's all, all good. Good up there in the Orient, mate. And, yeah. um, and always enjoy uh, your work up there, Richie. Um, yeah, listen, great. Yeah, superb player, but definitely 
and uh, that conversation. So I hope he enjoys his his uh, his retirement. I'll be interested to see if we see him in coaching. Yeah, I, I think. Um, yeah, I, I think he will. I think he will. I think he's. Um, you know, one of the things that put him up there um, in at the levels that he got to is that he was an intellectual player as well. You know, um, it, it, whereas you might have said Zinni was an instinctive player, um, you'd have to say Kieran Reid was an intellectual player. And, uh, you know, so you can't help but feel that some of that um, experience that he's had will be well, well served um, being shared amongst um, players coming through. And, you, you know, you, you're hopeful, right? As, as opposed to being stockpiled, down in Christchurch, that it, it could be he could help out Counties Manukau, who um you know wouldn't say no to the expertise and experience that he could bring to an organisation like that to help them um to develop their players. Oh, definitely, definitely got some transplanted uh, uh, roots in that particular area, and we know it's interesting that we um, are talking about Counties Manukau because I suppose it'd be a good segue into our our uh, our next subject being the uh, the Bunnings uh, NPC twenty twenty one which uh, kicks off in uh, August as well, Ashwin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, interesting one. I don't know whether I'm looking forward to this or not. Um, with the news coming out of the Auckland camp, it's a bit scary for an Auckland supporter, but um, I, I suppose for uh, one who's wearing his uh, Tanifa top there, um, you, you'll be looking forward to seeing uh, Offer running out in the front row on in the first or in, the, in those weeks in August. Oh, that's the case. I'll believe it when I when I see it. Sort of <laughs> I, 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 I think um, the uh, Northern Rugby Union will be just happy to uh, to pick up the cash. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting um, start to this year's Bunnings uh, NPC in the uh, men's division. It kicks off on Friday the sixth of uh, August with um, pretty much it's a championship match between uh, Manawatu and uh, Counties Manuko. So. Yeah, it's a bit, little bit of a little bit of a strange one there. I, you know, I thought if you if you wanted to uh, start a competition with a with a bang, you'd maybe have. Um, I see the second game on Saturday is uh, Taranaki v Hawks Bay, and Hawks Bay are the newly promoted team uh, to the uh, Premiership in twenty twenty one. But let's not forget they're also the uh, Ranfurly Shield holders, and they've got Shield challenges against uh, Otago in uh, week two, uh, Waikato. In week week four, and week six, uh, they take on uh, North Harbour. That'll be a, an interesting Shield challenge. Now, this is all depending whether they've still got the Shield or not. The week later, week seven, they take on Bay of Plenty and a Ranfurly uh, Shield challenge. So uh, this competition runs through until it's uh, pretty much the uh, final round, which is, and I'll tell you that in a moment, in fact, that final Shield challenge for Hawks Bay is against Tasman. So that's going to be a real... Tough one. That's the only thing that Tasman haven't done. Remember, they are the back-to-back champions of the Premiership. And, of course, that round robin runs through until Sunday the 10th of October with the semi-finals scheduled for Friday Friday the 16th, Saturday the 17th, and the finals of the Premier, I beg your pardon, the Championship on Friday the 23rd of October and the Premiership final uh, heading through on the uh, the twenty fourth, so it's it's going to be an interesting. I suppose the questions we are uh, we're asking ourselves: are How are Hawks Bay going to go in the Premiership round? Are Tasman going to be the team to beat again? I'd have to probably say yes. You'd agree. You agree? Uh, with absolutely. Me, you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hundred percent. I mean, 
Tasman, and that, I mean, like when we look at players coming into squads and the like, I don't think there's been, I mean, apart from out of Auckland, um, doesn't seem to be a lot of movement going around the country. Um, so really, when you look at, we haven't heard of shifts. Actually, I haven't heard about a lot about signings this year. Um, as I said, apart from the big um, marquee players, Hoskins and Offer leaving Auckland. But as you say, well, I don't think Offer will probably pull on the Cambridge Blue, but yet to be seen. But um, it, there hasn't been a lot of talk about players signed up anywhere or leaving anywhere. So based on that, you'd have to say Tasman really going to have the similar squad to last year. Uh, yeah, you, you want to? You could probably go close to putting half your house on Tasman to go through, go back to pack. Oh, very, very much so. I, I think the other side will be watching with a, with a lot of interest because they put up quite a good performance in the, the uh, was it the semi final. Last year was uh, Bay of, the Bay of Plenty Steamers, and they've rec- yep. once again they've recruited very well. Obviously, picking up Manaki Selby Rickett from uh, uh, Southland for the 2021 mm. season, so definitely a team to watch. Um, Going to be interesting times for Auckland, of course. Uh, well publicised, they've lost uh, Hoskins Satutu. A little bit more talk, but there might be a couple of others. They've lost Offer to Fussy, but to be fair, honest, to be brutally honest, I don't get to see a lot of those All Blacks uh, a lot of the time. I, I'm picking a team that maybe a bit of a, a dark horse to watch this year will be Waikato. We know that uh, they've had a very, very young team and they are very much due to fire if they can get the likes of uh, Quinn Tupaya back on the paddock. I'll tell, tell you, for me, one that will be one to watch is, um, is Wellington, tell you the truth. Um, you know, they've actually, last year in particular, they actually had a very strong squad, but... They 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 won the what 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 would they would sort of label as their hard matches, and then they dropped the easy ones. Um, so if they can knock those easy losses out of their um, repertoire, oh, I think that could be another team that'll be looking to be challenging for the top four spots. Yeah, oh, very much so. You'll find some of these uh, the teams that were there or thereabouts last year. I mean, to say Canterbury would be very disappointed with their season. <laughs> their 20, mm. uh, uh, 21 season. In fact, at one stage, they were looking like uh, they were going to be relegated. If you relegated, know. yeah. It all came down, think... to that, it came down to that very last game of of the season and a Shea Fihaki uh, long-range penalty against Auckland. I can see Ashwood shaking his head. Um, the oh, it was just he, poor he, poor game management by the Auckland team. And that, I mean, you know, going back a season already, that's well, just poor game management that day, you know, um, to, to, send a, to send a message. You know, because that's what it's about, right? I mean, when you when you come to like, you know, at the moment we're watching Super Rugby. The thing is that the Crusaders they maintain their dominance because of the fact that it's a mental edge that they hold over most of the teams, and they send a message time and time again. And that's what you got to do, don't you? When you get that oh. opportunity, you send that message. Oh, very, very much so. Um, it, it's about. It could have been such a change. I mean, to say it was a. It was it was a real tough one if you recall Bay of Plenty v uh, um, North Harbour North Harbour getting relegated on at very last day and if, and if you think about it North Harbour didn't play too badly last year they 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 beat they beat the eventual champions Tasman they had a couple of other really good wins at all but they just probably weren't consistent enough to uh, to stay up in the uh, in the uh, premiership that's right that's right I mean like yeah I mean uh, I think you know. We, I keep mentioning Auckland, but um, yeah, this is thing for us is that it's going to be interesting to see how much um, steel Stephen Bates can bring to that forward pack because that's what it's probably going to come down to. 
um, is the, the the steel that um, the Auckland Ford pack can show because their back line, they're not going to have too many losses there. Um, they're going to get a player like uh, Salasi Rayasi um, obviously coming back from the Hurricanes and, and fitting in onto the wing there. Zane, Zahn Sullivan possibly at fullback, if not first five. And as we've always said, Harry Plummer, um, although we sort of um, look at Harry Plummer and think, hey, look, whether he's a super rugby level first five or not is questionable. He is more than more than adequate um, at an NPC level. And so I think the back line um, is not an issue, ironically, considering how the back line goes for the Blues. I think it's really the forward pack and whether the disruptions and the, you know, the rumours and everything that's going on around, it all seems to be based around the forward pack. Um, because if the forward pack, at the end of the day, we know if the forward pack doesn't show up, you're basically um, toast. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 exactly. Um, gotta line all your ducks up and, and, and drags. Doesn't it be a bit remiss of us to uh, not mention the uh, Farrah Palmer Cup? Well, just before we head to that, just before we head to that, I mean, just just on Simon's comment as well, interesting the fact that, um, you know, obviously a lot of focus going into Bay of Plenty um, being effectively based out of Tauranga. Um, is the Lanny be playing one game in Rotorua? Is it is someone that's grown up, I mean, you know, since the formation of NPC um, in the 70s, so to, and um, it's sort of like, Rotorua was the home of Bay of Plenty Rugby. It really has flipped on its head, hasn't it? Yeah, not to mention you've got, you've actually got an international stadium there. So it's a yes, uh, Rotorua uh, International Stadium. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a you know as we know with the Bay of Plenty area and 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 they're getting a uh, <clears throat> they're getting a lot of media at the moment, but for, not for all the right reasons. If you know what around in in, in and around ill uh, disciplined players at, at club level. Mm. But, it is quite a big area, and it, and I think it's really, I think it's really important that um, the Bay of Plenty don't just nurture or think about Tauranga, but they also yep. make sure that that area of of Rotorua that provides some pretty useful rugby players is well looked after. And don't forget they've got a, a great hub down there in Rotorua Boys High. Absolutely, I mean when you look at the number of players, um, you know we've seen one trotting around for the Chiefs. Um, almost back out of retirement and Liam Messam, who's uh, originally another one out of Rotorua, um, the Rotorua Boys High, if I remember correctly. Yep, um, yep, yep. So, you know, I, I think Sam Kane, was he out of Tauranga actually, um, originally Tauranga. So, but, um, you know, there's been a lot of um, top product, for want of a term, that's come out of Rotorua. And so, yeah, you've got to be careful about um, putting all your eggs in that Tauranga basket, don't you? Oh, Absolutely, don't don't dis don't disagree with you at all. Hey, um, listen, I hope you're enjoying the show. Coming up to almost eight thirty here on uh, New Zealand Sport Radio, and uh, don't forget to uh, to like the channel, Ashwin. You'll you'll take uh, all the punters, all the new punters that are watching, where they need to go to if they want to uh, subscribe to the channel. Well, basically, make sure you head over to YouTube, and um, you can obviously subscribe. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube. We're also on Twitter. Um, with the Twitter handle there with Driving Mall still running and obviously on Facebook where all the um, comments flow through on the New Zealand Sports Radio um, Facebook page. So make sure you go and like and share those posts as well um, to make sure we get the exposure out there for New Zealand Sport Radio and all the fantastic shows that are broadcast on this channel. So um, I suppose moving along, we can move to the Farah Palmer Cup and... Um, 
Jeez. As, as dominant as Tasman is in the men's competition, what's it going to be, a five-peat or six-peat or seven-peat for Canterbury this year? Well, I, I suppose uh, that's 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 the big question. And, of course, the Farrah Palmer uh, Cup uh, this year, the 2021 uh, Farrah Palmer or Bunnings Farrah Palmer Cup, beg your pardon, uh, kicks off uh, just a little bit earlier on the Saturday, the uh, 17th of uh, July in uh, week one. There's the three games uh, to, look, to look out for. And uh, that's Auckland v Bay of Plenty. So that's a good, good kickoff. That's uh, a midday kickoff at uh, Eden Park. And uh, the current champions, uh, Canterbury, take on Counties Monaco from Rugby Park down there in uh, Christchurch. And the third game of the weekend is uh, Wellington playing Otago at home. Now that venue to be confirmed. So that's over the weekend of Saturday the 17th, Sunday the 18th. And the uh, competition uh, runs through until Saturday the 28th. Of August, that's week seven, where the final game will be Auckland v Waikato. Once again, that venue to be confirmed. And uh, we go into the uh, uh, semi-finals of the Premiership and Championship on uh, Friday, September the the 3rd through to Sunday, the 5th of September, with those finals in the Premiership and Championship. Hey, what are you looking at? I'm looking at... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. I've got different dates to what what you're saying. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's I'm what not, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at the draw at the moment. You're not looking at the um, mail draw I'm by look, any chance? No, I'm looking at um, the Bunnings Warehouse um, Provincial Rugby um, website. Uh, it's got 2021 Farah Palmer Cup fixtures, and the final is um, slated down for the 23rd of October. Wow. Well, what we'll do is, um, yeah, no, that's, <laughs> okay. that is that, that is that is correct. I've I've got here. Friday the 10th of September through to the 12th of September. So this is uh, the, the official Farrah uh, Palmer draw that I'm actually looking at. You can't see that because it's a bit, it's a bit too bright. But what we'll, what we'll basically we'll do... Double check this, all those. Yeah, we'll double check that and uh, get it together. But just just looking at it, I think Northland are actually playing... They might be playing in the Premiership uh, this year. But it's it's good to see all the games look like... Uh, unlike last year, it looks like they're well spread around uh, Ashwin. Oh, that'd be. Oh, look. I mean, it's the thing. <laughs> Hard to know, isn't it? but um, look, it's it's always good to get them spread around. Um, I, I look. I mean, I'll take this opportunity to say that this is like, I think um, we've talked about in women's rugby how um, if they want to build a player base, they're going to have to somehow figure a way of evening out the player depth. Um, and the, I don't think that dominance of Canterbury while you're trying to build a brand of women's rugby is helping that brand any uh, whatsoever. Yep, I probably probably agree with you to to a uh, to a certain extent there. It is a wee, it is a wee, wee bit weird. I've got two complete different draws altogether compared to the website. So I've just found one that kicks off on. Uh, uh, Friday six, the sixth uh, of August with Man- Manawatu yeah. County Monaco. Yeah, so yep. that's a completely different one again. So this is, I've got to say, this is totally, uh, uh, totally weird. So um, in fact, the, the, if you look at some of those times, they actually don't really match up. I think that looks more like the men's draw than the uh, women's draw. I've got to say, because I just look at the times. Most of the times are uh, five past uh, uh, five past seven, two o five. 705, good which, good which, point. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely. I think the draws a, only just come out, so maybe there's a, a bit of um, editing and uh, proofing that needs to go on in some of the uh, things that have been posted. Eh? So uh, watch, maybe we'll. Sh- 
if you're if you're watching the show folks ashwin's just reading the wrong draw that's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to throw you under the bus brother oh look i'm here <laughs> <laughs> uh well might be a good time to move on hey look um just gonna um just come back this is like just just because do you think that there's any opportunity or possibility of uh bay of plenty actually splitting into a tauranga and rotorua teams or you know unions um if they if they keep going down the path of not playing any games in rotorua it's very much on the cards um, well, the, the, the fear to me is um, with the moving of games and focus of rugby away from Rotorua leaves it right for the 13-man code to absolutely swamp Rotorua, doesn't it? Oh, listen, very, very much so. I, 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 you know, that's that's the issue that they've got. It's something similar mm. happened up in in, in Northern where the mm. uh, where uh, and a, a couple of league academies have sort of. Uh, I've swooped in the Adam, Adam Blair Academy up in up in Northland is basically swooped in, and you, you see a couple of these younger younger players running around in the NRL. Uh, Fisher Harris, who plays for uh, uh, the uh, Penrith Panthers, Darren Brown, who plays for uh, Parramatta Eels. These are all kids that were playing rugby in Northland and are now playing rugby league in the NRL. But hey, listen, listen, that's a good thing. It's great to see these kids. Um, realizing opportunity, realizing their dream, a pathway, a, a pathway as, as as well. So um, yeah, that's that's it's a good thing. Yep, absolutely. Alrighty, and um, I suppose uh, moving along then, and uh, we've got um, some test matches that have been announced. Now we've gone bounced around the world in terms of Italy and Scotland and. Nobody's coming to these parts of the world to play. So we've ended up with test matches now. Confirmed Tonga. All Blacks playing Tonga at Mount Smart Stadium. Something to live up to there, isn't it? The, 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 you know, when they when they, when they they pitched that one out there of taking a game, an All Blacks game against Tonga to Mount Smart Stadium, they're setting themselves up with high expectations of uh, a crowd, aren't they? Oh, very much so because we you kind of the the the, the immediate train of train of thought we think back to that um, we think back to that pre warm up game pre World Cup where the All Blacks played Tonga was it down in Hamilton yeah if I recall and to be yep. honest it was it was probably nothing more than a than a training run I think the All Blacks wrapped up close to ninety points in in that game if I if I recall and I don't think it did. Tongan rugby any good, and certainly I don't think it was any good good for the All Blacks. So, yeah, I'd like to, you know, you you want to see Tonga have their best players available and on deck, and somehow have a have a, at least have a pre warm up game before they play the All Blacks. Yeah, look, they need to have something uh, before they uh, play the All Blacks, and um, you know, I I think um, Aaron's comment sort of like sums it up. You know. To my mind, they're trying to re recreate something that again happened in that 13-man code when Tonga played the Kiwis. And this is like, you know, uh, the Tongan invasion happened at Mount Smart, sold-out game, and it was the Tongan crowd singing. And this is like, that's what they tried to recreate in Hamilton. Didn't eventuate. They totally misread the market, and I think they've done it again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So with, uh, you're talking about when the uh, Mana Pacifica game was played down in Hamilton. I think that one, they got a reasonable crowd for the Mana Pacifica Māori game, but to be honest, it was so late in the year. Mm. Um, once again, 
yeah, just a little bit of a misread. While it was a good, you know, reasonably good contest. Yep. At, 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 at the end of the day, I don't know if it was, you know, I don't think it was really full noise from both teams. Now, moving on, and they've got two tests against Fiji, and um, outside of the what would sort of say, I suppose, our main centres. So um, it's great to see the, um, you know, the, the wider New Zealand public having an opportunity to go and see the All Blacks live, and hopefully they take that opportunity. Oh, very much so. Actually, there's a little bit of excitement about that. And once again, it comes down to Fiji having their best players on deck. We know they've got some wonderful in, in, individual, talented individuals run, running around. Some of them that probably haven't put their hand up. You know, I'd like to see. I'd love to see the likes of Gus Salakula put his hand up and, and, and decide to to run with to run with Fiji. He'd be a he'd be a fantastic acquisition, or, or else maybe. What they should have done was called this a, a Fijian fifteen and made it maybe not made it barbarians. An official, yeah, may, maybe not made an official test match. If you if you know what I mean, um, yep. just yep. to basically, uh, so these guys can have the opportunity to run to run around for Fiji and not be sanctioned. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then like you would have had um, quite a few players that we've got running around in the let's call it Super Rugby or NPC um, that. Could have put their hand up. Um, so, yeah, absolutely would have been a better option. Um, but I, I suppose then they're trying to look like they're um, playing Pacific teams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty, yeah. pretty much so. But listen, it'll be it, it, it'll be great to see the All Blacks running out. The last time we, we saw them was run out. Run out was, oh, crikey, not, not quite a... A year ago, was it July or August last year when they played, or might have even been later when they played the Australians at Eden Park before they? No, it was a bit later. There was you were in New Zealand because then we went to Australia after the games in New Zealand, was it? Yes, I yes, remember yeah. Pretty, pretty so, much. And yeah. All, yeah, and the All Blacks finished off their their season. Yeah, maybe in their own minds, there's there's also a little bit of unfinished business while they eventually were the the winners of the of the Rugby Championship 2020. Um, yeah, they probably want to go out and and. And prove a, a few points this year. So, um, well, with, look, it'll, I'm gonna. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see the the, the selections for that uh, first All Black team 2021. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna try and put some hope in your heart here, um, uh, with some All Blacks running out for the Tanifa, because just going through the dates for the game. So they'll play Tonga at Mount Smart on the 3rd of July, um, which is basically well something like about six weeks away. So um, you know. Not not that far away. They'll they'll follow that up a week later, playing Fiji um, on the tenth of July in Forsyth at Forsyth Bar uh, down in Dunedin, and finally uh, in the following week, the second test against Fiji up in Hamilton at FMG Stadium. Now that's the seventeenth of July. The rugby ch- or the Bledisloe, or not the uh, before the Tri Nations. So there's two Bledisloe matches before the Tri Nations. Uh, one in Wellington and one in Auckland. They don't kick off until the 11th of October, so there's a good two months between the All Blacks playing uh, Fiji and then pl- uh, playing Australia on the 11th of October. They're going to need some those, the, the, those All Black players are going to need some warm up games to go on against Australia. So you know, I reckon there's a strong possibility that Hoskins could run out for a count in a county's Manukau jersey and Offer could be running out in a Cambridge Blue. 
Yeah, now 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 I'm agitated because I, because Jack Goodhue's injured as well. It would have been fantastic to have both Offer and Jack running around in the in the Cambridge Blue. But yeah, you're, you're definitely right. It sounds like Offer will need some game time, and we will see him running running out against uh, uh, North of the Somebody. It'll be great to see. I mean, so these squads, uh, especially the uh, the most interesting squad, is going to be that Auckland squad. Like yep. a case of who's actually available. Um, you mentioned before Stephen Bates joining the Auckland uh, uh, coaching team. I'm the, the word is Craig McGrath will take over as the as the head coach of the uh, of the Auckland team. That's you've heard it. You've heard it first. Um, here we're breaking that story here on uh, on uh, New Zealand uh, Sport Radio. Driving more. You've heard it first. Uh, that's the word doing the rounds that Craig McGrath will be taking over as the Auckland coach. And from what I believe, very well liked guy has been the defensive coach in the in in the past. So uh, hopefully, you know, it, it surprises me Auckland haven't made that announcement. It's the sort of announcement you really want to make rather Early. sooner than later. Yeah, you, know well, I mean? you want the chatter and everything around the announcement to be dead um, before the season gets close. Yeah. Very, very much, very, very much so. So, uh, so that means Alama's Alama's gone then. Alama's gone. Um, Alama's gone. That's pretty much what I've uh, what I've been told. So, yeah, watch watch that space unless we've totally totally got it wrong. But if it does come out in the press, you know where you heard it first. Oh, geez, that's got to show on itself, surely. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, but look, like, I mean, you just. But like, yeah. a, but like, but like a silver lake show. But we'll touch touch on that, even though we've only got about fifteen or sixteen minutes. We'll touch that. Lift, yeah, on, yeah. On, on Bit of crack on, I suppose. Eh? Bit of crack on. <laughs> hey, just just to round it off. So, just um, the uh, as I said, eleventh of October. On actually, no, those dates. I've, I'm wrong again. This is the this is the New Zealand Rugby Football Union's website. Insane in the membrane. It's got the 2021 series, and then underneath it's got the 2020 series. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about so, that, people. Been putting you wrong all night. Why stop now? <laughs> <laughs> right. Time, time to move along then. Good time to move along. Hey, look, um, moving on to uh, so re-signings for the Chiefs for next year. And um, they, they've uh, started well and they've signed up their two guys that you put, or one of them anyway, if I remember rightly, if not both of them, you put into your Super Rugby side, um, and Aiden Ross and um, Angus Tarval, uh, both back for the Chiefs next year. Good wow. signings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. That's where the game starts, <laughs> as as most former props would tell you. It starts up front. And yep. Yeah. These 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 two have, have been very good, and what I've enjoyed about these two props is, even though they got hammered in the in the first um, couple of couple of rounds, especially when they played the Crusaders. Uh, down in Christchurch, it's just the way that you bounce back, and they've bounced back. And also, if you think about their performance against the Blues, you know the Blues were expected to to dominate at scrum time when that game was played down in Hamilton, but that wasn't to be. And these two guys, especially, have stood up. We saw it again on the weekend in uh, round one of Trans Tasman Rugby. Um, uh, Aiden Ross dominating his uh, Argentinian opposite. Name escapes me at at the moment when they played the Western Force on the on the weekend. So uh, yeah, good signing, no problems there. Yeah, so um, and that's uh, and then basically just news coming out um, of the Chiefs camp today. Atu Molly um, 
going to like look, look looking likely to to run out in the starting team um, this weekend as well. So uh, it looks like they're starting to get some uh, depth back into that front row, which has been a big a big issue for oh. for the Chiefs uh, in the last few years, really. We shouldn't forget that Atimolu is an All Black. He's run out, he's run out with the All Blacks. Um, you've also got Sione Mafilio there as well, mm. and uh, of course the other young prop there uh, just, just not quite escapes me. Ollie Norris also has gone uh, gone extra well as you know. So if they can keep the core of these guys, we know they're they're really young through the middle middle row. Oh, listen, yep. I, I think that they're not on a they're not on too bad a wicket. You've got to say. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, definitely uh, looking strong. And um, as we've sort of like talked about, as and you just mentioned before, you know, it, all those front rows have just seemed to have evened out. Um, you know, uh, nobody is like overly dominant um, in the scrumming positions. Um, you might say that like with, with when offer and say um, – Carl Tunuka Afi. Oh, geez, great. I can't get it out today. Um, <laughs> Carl, big Carl, um, are out for the Blues. They do seem to have a, might have an edge on, but not, but then we know, and we've talked about, they're not, there's dynamic around the field. So, you know, you're almost happy to give up a little bit at scrum time as long as you can hold your own or just get the ball back mm. if you know you're going to get more out of them around the field. Yeah, not a lot, not a lot of scrums as well. <clears throat> Yeah, in the in in the in the modern game, I think we saw one game which I forget the weekend. It might have been that, may have actually been that Hurricanes game. That looked the, the touch footy game, the touch footy game on Friday touch, night. We looked resemble more touch than rugby. I think the first scrum was in the thirty fifth, thirty fifth minute or something else, which is actually a credit to the to the players that they were obviously not making any handling errors. Uh, the yep. fact that they had uh, less lesser scrums, so you just need guys that are that are adequate actually speaking of uh, the hurricanes of course they they've had a signing of their own um um of course uh Owen Franks. Franks signing with the hurricanes for the 2022 season so uh yeah once again a, a good backup tight head prop to uh Terrell Lomax so, uh, I I actually think that um that that signing's a bit better than a backup you know what I'm, I mean I I think he's still got a lot of rugby left in him I um you know, I, I think we've seen a couple of players that have headed back early. Dom Bird's probably another one um, due to what's happening globally, um, the global situation due to COVID and the like. Um, and, and so, you know, we've mentioned Owen Franks and probably a few weeks before that, Dom Bird signing from that's starting to um, bar up that, um, that that tight five for the Hurricanes, which we've always said has been an issue. And, and when you look at, um, you know, the Hurricanes and how they've gone, they got the wooden spoon. I think, yeah, they did get the wooden spoon at the end of the day. Really probably came down to, not because of their general play, just because of their set piece. And oh. the signings of Franks and uh, Bird is basically just going to help them strengthen that set piece. Oh, yeah. You know, you throw in, and once again, they're starting to, they've, they've added a, immediately added depth with, with Bird, and then you, you think they've got Scrafton, and, you know, Scott Scrafton still still floating yeah. around. That's a, That's a good battery of battery of line out forwards and you know with a team like the hurricanes if you give them you give them a lot of lot of ball boy they they're, they're going to be a dangerous side i suppose that's offset with the uh with the uh the loss of nani lamape who signed with um yep. a parisian club um stud 
Was it Stade uh, Francais? Yeah. Yeah, I think I actually I think yeah. so. I think there might yeah. be it. Stade Francais. But then I've been getting everything wrong tonight, so you know. Um <laughs> hey, I who wouldn't want to go with me. Hey, someone's yeah. back from dinner. <laughs> Should we let him on? <laughs> oh my god, listen to yeah, we He's still got his dress shirt on. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm all smart. Eh? You've, you've got even got the long logo up. I leave you for one night, and the logo's all wrong. And geez, oh logos, bad. logos. What are these logos he speaks of? Hey, um, I, I just sort of thinking while while we were talking about um, <laughs> Super Rugby players, there, uh, good time to segue into um, the uh, Aussies and how they want to do a bit of cross pollination across our um, Super Rugby formats. Yeah, just to give you a, a little bit of background, late last year, um, this was an article that sort of came via Fox uh, Sports late last year. It was revealed James O'Connor was considering making a move across the ditch to New Zealand. He'd actually approached the Chiefs, and uh, and that's primarily to come up with real quality uh, uh, opp- opposition. And Stefan Minton, he's on fire tonight. Um, and that was just basically to find uh, quality opposition. But that was blocked by Australian rugby, but uh, their current CEO, Andy Marinos, has revealed on uh, Monday that he was having um, philosophical conversations with the New Zealand Rugby Union. What does that mean? Um, uh, about opening the borders so players could play in the same competitions, but but still be uh, still be selected. So, uh, listen, I've got, I've, he says from a Rugby Australian perspective, if playing in the competition, whether it's here or New Zealand, you start looking ahead to Japan and other markets. Um, listen, I, I actually quite like the idea. I mean, I say I already like the idea of seeing, uh, even though they're veterans, the likes of uh, Jeremy Thrush and Richard Kahui, who uh, they are veterans, but boy, I thought they played really well for the Western Force on the weekend. I actually like it. The problem is, will the New Zealand Rugby Union run with this? Because I remember Steve Chu was asked a similar question when he was the CEO of Rugby New Zealand, and he just didn't want a bar of it. I, I don't know if there's any benefit in it for New Zealand rugby. I think the benefit's all for Australian rugby. The benefit in it for New Zealand rugby is that you could be making a stronger product, which you could take to market to get a few more dollars. Um, you know, that, that might be the benefit for New Zealand rugby. But the reality is, what is the benefit for New Zealand rugby? Massive, um, massive wins for Aussie. No, look, the, diff- the benefit, look, the benefit is, okay, if you've got 10 teams, right, um, and uh, I think we, we, we could we will all probably say that and uh, maybe it's just because we live over here but the the New Zealand player production line is um, is, is uh, produces more players more quality players than the Australian one does right therefore you end, you'd end up saying that probably 60 percent of all the players across the 10 teams would be would, would be Kiwi therefore you'd have a, you'd have a bigger pool of players to pick from but the biggest win is as you say if you produce the best competition in the world with the best players, uh, then you'll be able to get the best money. And that's what you want to be doing. You don't want to have a lopsided competition. You want the best competition that gets the best money. And then you've got some chance of competing with Europe and with their cash. I, I, I like I, I like your train of thought, Paul, because can you imagine a team like the Western Force with a couple of marquee Kiwi players um, who've got a, got a little bit of expect or even 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 the, 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 the Melbourne Rebels who, who aren't a bad side, but... Boy, can you imagine them having a, a quality, a quality midfielder that can set set the likes of a Corabetti um, away? You know, it, 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 for me, there'd be more interest. I'd be watching. I'd be watching those sides a heck of a lot more. And I think a lot of Kiwi rugby supporters would be watching it. That's 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 the upside. 
I think I think but you know how many how many more players to a market can a Auckland one A competition provide? <laughs> well, look, that's because they, that's because Auckland one A goes out and just uh, gathers players from all over the Pacific. Um, and, uh, gives, well, gives, I don't gives, think Fukutava played in the one A competition, Paul. Get some scholarships. I don't um, think I don't think Fukutava played in the one A competition, mate. <laughs> 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 uh, no, but Topu to, to did. Um, yeah. Topu did. Um, anyway, um, look. Um, the uh, at the end of the day, what New Zealand look. I think one of the things that New Zealand's done is look at. Well, I'm just going to look after myself. And what that's what that's meant is that well, what they need to remember is you can't play yourself. Well, you, you can play yourself, but it's not going to. It just makes you blind. Um, but you've got to play other teams, uh, and we've got to keep their quality up, which is why we want to get the the Pacific teams up as well. Um, and uh, and having a quality Australian across a quality cross Tasman plus Japan in reality competition could bring in some serious cash and then could actually become a competitor to to the to the top fourteen uh, and the Gallagher Premiership as far as wages are concerned. Just uh, Stefan's comment: Does he mean Sam Knock, or is he referring to Sam Derry? <laughs> Just wanting some <laughs> clarification there. So uh, yeah, so um. yeah, but we'd also see players coming over from Australia to to New Zealand as well. So I mean, you look at some. Um, I mean, uh, Pete Samu uh, has yep. done it. Alatoa has been over, um, and there's a, there's a bunch of players who have been over. Um, but and uh, look, I mean, if we go back far enough, I mean, Martin Johnson uh, used to play in New Zealand, didn't he? So look. Uh, I think cross-pollination, I think the, the big thing is uh, that they need to make sure they have across both of them is a standard contract. And that standard contract says it doesn't matter if you're playing in Australia or in New Zealand, you get you get some uh, released for all All Blacks camps. Uh, and the and, and if we and if the All Blacks uh, head coaches say you have to be rested, you have to be rested, make it vice versa. All, 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 all of these that are playing um, have to be released for, for all of these camps. And just so that you get the, the exact same access, the exact same control over the players, whether they're playing for Super Rugby Australia or Super Rugby in New Zealand. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, and think about it that way. Interesting what John's saying, isn't it? It's like, let's oh. worry about grassroots. But it's just like, well, it's a trick. It's a, it's a, it's a chicken and egg. You know, I mean, if you're, well, I'm at grassroots. So uh, it is a chicken and egg because at the end of the day, if you don't, if you don't foster a good professional environment, and create a good competition that's going to bring in good broadcast dollars, you're not going to have money to be able to, um, A, pay those players coming through from grassroots, but B, take some of that money and possibly give it to grassroots. It's just never going to be there to be able to do that. Um, so it's, it is a bit chicken and egg, but you've got to look after grassroots if you want those players to, of quality to come through to, um, to professional ranks and you don't want them going well, off to play other sport. You, you, you say that, but then, then again from a... Um... Uh, if you look at so New Zealand rugby, uh, they care about youth rugby, but um, as far as club glass grassroots goes, no professional players come through that. So who cares? Uh, and I think we see that with the attitude that they spend that they that they have towards um, towards the sport. I, I think that's where we we talked about a while ago in terms of you know um, some of the governance structures at New Zealand Rugby Football Union aren't quite right. Um, we, we talked about in terms of the women's develop game development. They really, the, the same guy that's looking after that is looking after this and this and this and this and this. And um, you know, I, I think there needs to be a bit more, um, and you know, role a, a, a governance structure set up where it's a bit more 
uh, granular in terms of what the specific areas are that need to be looked after and, and who's who's heading those up and we've been knocking we, we've been knocking the <laughs> the governance structure at um uh and using rugby for a while now now there's a good reason for that it's because we're in new zealand and that's what we care about the most right but we could equally do the same thing to the wallabies setup we could equally so the, the australia, oh. australia oh absolutely we could do the same to rfu welsh rugby union uh the the, the french federal uh, etc look I don't believe any of the unions globally have, have, have got it right. The Irish union is probably the closest, uh, but again, still, I think they they uh, they, they don't either. Um, but as you and, said, you know, I think I think the reason is because we we are local. We're I mean, like we are New Zealand Sport Radio, and and that's what we see as the fact is that there, there is um, a mass. You know, it's it's just a it's just simply that governance structure is just so obviously wrong. Um, yep. at, at the, and it's like, and you can see that in the impact um basically you could say from um from npc level down uh in the way that it's rugby's developing um also the fact is that how well is super rugby really going i mean you've you've said it yourself in terms of the numbers last year were great because we probably came out of our biggest COVID lockdown um and we got some great numbers turning up to watch the game and interest in the game was high this year we've pretty much gone back to status quo um, and even last year, when those numbers were great, predominantly those numbers were up in Auckland, not anywhere else. Yep, no, I agree. I, it's it's one of those things that I, it's uh, the there's very short termism view, um, and uh, because a lot of these people are coming from a corporate background where you're judged on quarterly results, um, maybe annual if you're lucky. Uh, now. Uh, the thing about sports association is, look, it's, you don't have shareholders who are going to vote you out of your position if you don't do well this, this quarter. It is a look, the, the RFU has been around for over 100 years. New Zealand rugby has been around for, for, for getting on that kind of length of time as well. Um, I don't know exactly how long, but a lot of the clubs are 100 years old now. You, know, you need to start thinking, what, where are we in a decade? Not where are we next year? Where are we? Or what, Absolutely. What, what's the attendance next game? Really doesn't matter. What's the attendance in 10 years' time? What's the trend over that time? That's what matters, and that's something you start thinking, but they don't. No, they don't. Not at all. Um, yeah, basically, I, I don't. To be honest with you, I don't worry about it with if it's a corporate guy or not. Um, I actually think, you know, when, when we look at, you know, when we look at um, the discussion around the Silver Lake versus Forsyth Bar, you know, we've talked about it ourselves again. That we see the value that a Silver Lake can bring because of the expertise that it brings, and that's all corporate-based expertise so i don't have an issue with corporate base it's about the right governance structure and it's about having the right people at the moment you don't get the right people and you haven't got the right governance structure yeah but that's why i guess again it's not not anti-corporate i'm just saying because the people yeah. have come from corporate and are used to looking in that type of time frames that's what they're trying to do here what they haven't done is they haven't adapted Ooh. their approach to Ooh, a different I agree. oh no 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 not at all a, a bad corporate is looking at your results for this year a good corporate is doing exactly what you said and this is like what is what is our company looking like in three years five years and ten years well that's a good that's that's the successful companies corporate companies will be doing exactly that um yeah, have, having them no. yeah most CEOs don't last more than three years, so they don't really give a shit. So whilst they also have, oh, a well, plan, yeah. they, they never expect to, they never expect to have to implement it. But that's that's where that's where we talk about, right? I mean, when we look about a good company in terms of, and that's what sport is. Let's not get it wrong. When all these sort of people that don't really even follow, they say, "I'm an All Blacks fan," and they're jumping on the, "Oh, it's our team," and all this sort of rubbish that they're going on about. They really, what are they? They just, oh, geez, I don't even know how to explain them because they really aren't fans at all. Um, so the fact is, 
I what I sort of see is that again I come back to a good company looks at short, medium, and long-term goals. Successful yeah. companies look at short, medium, long-term goals, and that's what sport has to look at as well. You can't you can't forget about today, but you've got to have an eye to the future, and it's what you've got to look at. Sport is a business, absolutely hundred percent, and you've got to look at your short-term goals, your medium-term goals, and your long-term goals, and and you've got to look at you you look at your um, corporate governance. You look at your mission value, uh, mission statements, your vision values, and that all ties in to your long-term objectives. And your short-term objectives have to tie into that as well. Uh, it's it's real basic stuff. It's really not rocket surgery. Yep, rocket surgery, brilliant. Um, there you so your thing. I've 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 no idea what you guys are talking about this evening. So I don't know where we're going next. That was basically it. Because look, it's even nine o'clock. <laughs> we, we are we are pretty we are pretty much done, Paul. But we probably um we probably botched up the the, the Farrah Palmer Cup, and you you asked a couple of uh, uh, relevant questions that you you actually uh, uh, put in put into the notes, and I was just uh, tracking back over those uh, just tracking back over those notes, and you you asked uh, some interesting questions there in and in and around the makeup of the Farrah Palmer Cup. Premiership and, and championship. So you want to just give us give us your views on that, Paul? Uh, so the the Farrah Palmer um, Cup last year, or historically, has been a Premiership Championship setup, uh, just like the uh, Minor Ten Cup slash uh, Bunnings NPC. Um, then last year they reverted to a north south structure to uh, to reduce costs on travel, uh, and uh, this year have gone back to a Premiership uh, Championship uh, structure. Um, despite anyway, the demand going down that rabbit hole. Um, the but what they've done is they've taken the results from 2019 to decide what your position is in 2021, and have totally ignored all the results from 2020 last year. Um, a couple of sides really changed uh, the their ability last year in the fact that well, particularly Northland went from being a uh, um, uh, a, a sort of competitive championship team. To being a well, very nearly in the playoffs, uh, only missing out on sort of countback uh, in the end, equal with the same number of points as uh, historical powerhouses Auckland and uh, Counties Manukau. But because they didn't get themselves promoted uh, two years ago, they don't get they, they get put back in the championship. Otago got themselves promoted, but last year had an absolute shocker. Um, Winning was it uh, maybe what one or two out of five games? I mean, really, really poor. Um, uh, and so, but they're still going to get promoted anyway. Uh, even though the man with two who got demoted um, were way stronger than they were. Uh, Otago this year, in all honesty, are going to get. Uh, 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 well, if they win a game this season, I'll be I'll be uh, impressed because uh, looking You'll at their eat last your year, hat. I will not eat my hat. Um, <laughs> something, something, something might have been eating, might eating my other hat though. Look, oh, jeez. Um, so, um, uh, so that by ignoring last year's result, we're ignoring the growth of um, uh, of, of certain provinces. Uh, I think that they've that they've, they've got and got a couple of teams in the wrong ones. Now, Manawatu uh, and uh, Northland are going to be uh, the strongest teams in the championship, and I think everyone else. Good luck to you. Um, one of those two will get promoted, uh, and Otago will go down uh, because. Uh, and uh, okay, we're not going to have some of the we're not going to have the, the sevens ladies who were involved last year, uh, so that's going to alter the strength of some of these uh, provinces. Um, but um, 
I really do. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I do question how they've gone about uh, structuring this. And uh, yeah, the, the, the answer is, oh, we've just done what the results from two years ago. And there's no explanation as to why. Well, Paul, it, it, it is rather strange. I'm sort of looking at the even uh, uh, Northland's draw, of course. Uh, yeah, you look through a lot of those teams, a lot of those teams that they played last year really did struggle. The likes of North Harbour, uh, uh, Tasman, Taranaki to a, to a lesser extent. But, um, yeah, I, I can see Northland probably sweeping those sides aside and meeting a, meeting a team that finished in the, in the Premiership semi-finals. Uh, last year in uh, in Manawatu, so it is rather bizarre. And uh, also, uh, I was looking at the right draw before that. Uh, Farrah Palmer Cup kicks off on Saturday, the seventeenth uh, of July, with the last game heading through in round robin until Saturday, the twenty eighth of August, and the, the semi finals of the following weekend on Sunday, the fifth of uh, September in Farrah Palmer Cup. But uh, I'm sure we'll be getting out on the road, Paul, and uh, watching a few of those games. Yeah, absolutely. And also uh, the the MPC, I, I have uh, written, I, I've got a spreadsheet with all the games in already. Um, and um, Stephen, it looks like I am going to struggle to make it up to Northland. So I think you will be our officially our Northland um, correspondent. There's only, one, there's only one of the five games up there that I can actually make uh, because of clashes with um, other games uh, as well. So we'll, we'll be uh, looking at um, using our resources as judiciously as we can to cover as many games as we can. Uh, just shared on the screen there for those of you who aren't listening to the podcast, who are watching the video, uh, the uh, the north-south tables from last year. The ones, those with green are the ones in the premiership this year. Those in red are the ones that are in the uh, uh, the championship. And as you can see, Manawatu, who came second, are in the championship from, from the south division. And um, Northland, who came third in the north division, are in the championship there. Both both teams have two teams below them in those tables who are in the premiership. So um, uh, some um, uh, so, some interesting ones there, uh, so, some interesting decisions there, as we say. Um, also, I'm amazed even it's starting so early. And uh, July, wow, that's... Um, yeah, I was going to say that. The, I, I, I mean, the reason the... Yeah, they've got the right draw up. Uh, I, I'm a bit, I, I don't understand. I mean, the NPC doesn't start then, I guess, because it would clash with mid mid year talk tests, maybe. But then again, the NPC clashes with the. Um, uh, I've gone blank um, with the uh, sorry the rugby championship test. So um, yeah, I don't understand kind of why. I'm a bit surprised to the Farrah Palmer Cup starting so early, about a month before the NPC. But lots of things. Mm. We, we were going to do a little bit on Silver Lake, Paul, because but uh, we might need another whole show to discuss that. So we might have to. Oh yeah, I was just saying. Um, yeah, I mean, you were seeing the tweets, Paul. Probably uh, something we want to sort of like do the pros and cons sometime. Um, maybe we we sort of like talk about the two options, and uh, we can look at what are the benefits and what are, for each and negatives for each, and see where where it sort of leaves us. Yeah, sure. Look, I, I had a tweet um, by some, someone. Um, actually, Craig from Western, yeah, from Perth. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yes, yes, from 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 Perth, um, saying, "Hey, Paul, you're the only you're the only uh, independent sort of rugby pundit over there. Can you please give us an independent view?" Um, so, um, which um, look, folks, we've talked about Silver Lake um, over the uh, on on this show uh, four or five times um, this year already. Uh, I've also put out a supporters only one on how looking at how New Zealand rugby is going to spend their 380-odd uh, million dollars if uh, if and when they get it. 
um, and compare that to how the Welsh Rugby Union have spent their CVC money uh, and the RFU as well. So if you want to have a look at that, uh, listen to that show or watch that video, uh, become a supporter of the channel uh, over at um, patreon.com forward slash NZ Sport Radio. Um, but um, yeah, no, we, that's obviously the Forsyth Bar one is, is, is an interesting one that's gone into it. Uh, and um, yeah, perhaps, uh, yeah, compare and contrast. I'm not sure whether we'll do it as a driving mall show or whether we'll do it as a patron special, uh, supporter special video. But um, yes, there's definitely some things to look in there. Uh, and a couple of points that I've put on uh, in, in, our, in our chat are, first off, the money is pretty much um, immaterial in this in the decision making because the money can come from from multiple sources uh, at, at around about that kind of level. Um, uh, we, whether you do it through bonds or whether you do it through a share offering or whether you do it through foresight, whatever you do, there are a number of places the money can come from. At the end of the day, the big selling point that uh, New Zealand Rugby keeps coming back to is that capacity is is the capability that Silver Lake's ad, Silver Lake adds, which you, I think you talked about, you mentioned earlier, Astrid. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, that's why they're choosing Silver Lake. It's um, it's not the money number, it's not the dollar number. That dollar, they, they they can get the dollars from a number of different places. They can't get the capability, the expertise, the, expertise, the streaming platform um, that uh, Silver Lake brings, which is why they're really behind it. Um, it is interesting. I mean, look, we've had various people today. I mean, um, we've uh, I mean, Buck Shelford um, has, uh, has has chimed in. Uh, has uh, Ian Foster has not Ian Foster, sorry, um, Steve Hansen has. Um, we've uh, uh, ha- lots of people are chipping in now, and I think that the it's uh, the, the general view is why are we washing our uh, why are we washing our laundry in public? This is stuff that should be discussed behind the scenes. But I think what has happened is that it was being dealt with behind the scenes, um, but they got to an impasse, uh, and therefore one of the sides made it public because remember. That letter from the Players Rugby Union, Players Rugby, play, the New Zealand Rugby Players Association, uh, was dated end of January. Um, that came out sometime in sort of March, April, wasn't it? So uh, they had about two months of, of, of doing it in private before they uh, basically ended up just shouting at each other and uh, getting no response. Paul, do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to? Sorry, Steve. You want to? Sorry, you go, Steve. Yeah, I was going to say something. We 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 shouldn't forget. And in, uh, in, in this particular b- debate that the New Zealand Rugby Union has got the support of all 27 unions as well. And I've, I've just posted uh, something on our rugby uh, group chat uh, uh, letter from the letter by the written pen by the uh, uh, chairman of the uh, Northern Rugby Union, Andrew Ritchie. And that's in support of the uh, Silver, Silver Lake deal. So I'll get you to have a quick look at that in your own time, Paul. But uh, No, I've um, seen it. And... And look, I, I again, I, I, I get what he does, but he, he unfortunately mixes up a few things here um, around uh, uh, around support of the grassroots and, and, and money, and he, he confuses the. I think he confuses the uh, the discussion a bit with that letter. So it's not the best. I don't think it's the best best um, approach letter. But uh, but I do understand that. Yeah, the provinces have seen a lot of what we haven't seen, which is a lot of the detail around this. Uh, and um, what I hope to do, well, I hope so I'm going to try and send an email out to a few of the CEOs of the provinces and ask them, how would you spend the money you're going to get, where, wherever it's from, to support grassroots and see what they come back with. Um, hopefully they'll understand that that's what we'll talk about. We won't talk about this sort of competing, the two, the, of where the money comes from, but just about how would they spend that cash? How do they see grassroots can be grown 
with that money the best and we'll hopefully we'll get some uh, answers as to how they're going to how they're going to use that cash because at the end of the day that's the important thing is how the cash is used paul you're probably best to sort of explain and or the question that simon's got in terms of so what does silver lake bill bring to the table in terms of the skills uh as you said the man you man city not man you but man city's obviously been an investment that they made a few years ago but what what um I, I mean, two things there, I suppose. What other sporting investments have they made, and if any, and uh, what what will they be able to bring to the table for the All Blacks that will be beneficial for them? So I think there's a couple of things that um, that they bring. I'm sorry, I'm not sure as to who else they uh, uh, what, 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 the list of their um, of their sporting, sporting. investments. Um, mm-hmm. But um, the my understanding is they do have a uh, some a, a, an online streaming platform of some some form. They can put some sort of membership. Uh, or uh, paywall kind of produ- um, production of, of content through. Um, now, since uh, the New Zealand sport, since New Zealand rugby has a share in Sky, uh, who have who own rugby parts, you'd think that actually that's already there. They they they, they have a uh, some sort of ownership in that in, in one of those sort of formats already. But um, Silver Lake will actually own uh, and have something around that sort of piece. Secondly, let's be honest. Um, they uh, have, um, uh, and, and yeah, Simon, yes, yes, yeah, UFC, I think, is one of Silver Lake's um, invest, investments. Um, the Then, look, it's just the, the business contacts they have at the end of the day. If, if, if New Zealand Rugby needs a new sponsor, well, hey, Silver Lake uh, knows and has the phone numbers of all the uh, top CEOs and the top businesses around the world. That uh, if they're looking for it, they, they 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 can get access to people that New Zealand Rugby would have to make an effort to get access to. So their network is clearly something that is very strong. Um, and I think one of the people have said that yeah, Silver Lake is good at hiring people. Again, people want to work for Silver Lake because you get paid well, <laughs> um, and they can afford to go out and get the the right people they need. The right people, and they're good at getting the right people. Uh, apparently. Uh, I don't have any evidence of that, but I've, I, I know that was one of the one of the uh, sort of things that was put out there. But I think essentially their network is going to be probably the strongest piece that they bring to this. In all honesty, yeah, it is multiple sports teams that it does own. I've just been trying to Google it, and it keeps coming up with Man City, who have done well, not too badly over the last few years. But um, um, and then it goes um, and other. Sports teams in the USA, um, Australia, and China, <laughs> without actually saying what those teams are. So, um, yep, they own a few teams uh, around the world, but uh, we just know that Man City is obviously the biggest investment they obviously have because that's the one that's named. Uh, I mean, there is a difference though in, in here that, that you are you're not investing. They are kind of investing in a team, uh, but the, which is the All Blacks. But in, but they're also investing in an entire sport in a country, uh, in, in that kind of way. So uh, I, th- I think there is they'll, they'll need to change their mindset slightly. Uh, but I do think that uh, initially they will be looking at some um, uh, using their skills or use or, or leveraging the All Blacks themselves first. Uh, potentially looking at leveraging the Black Ferns in the future as women's rugby grows. Um, but uh, as far as I can tell, I've not seen anything from them that says they're going to look at leveraging s- Super Rugby teams or leveraging the sevens or leveraging the under twenties or anything else. So um, I-, I do hope that they try that, s- that someone eventually realizes running a sport, an entire sport, off of the income of one team is difficult. You need to grow other income streams. 
it needs to diversify your income streams. You can't just have it all coming from the All Blacks. Yep. Yeah. The, the the interesting thing, the the biggest fallacy for me in the uh, Forsyth Bar proposal, and obviously we don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole in that, and 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 you know, we can chew up another three hours talking about the whole thing. But there's this fallacy that there's a whole, all these All Black fans that are going to buy shares in it, and and all these All Black fans are making noise. Oh, I'd buy if I had the opportunity, I'd buy some shares in the All Blacks. Yeah, right. Because if you you're either throwing money down the toilet. Or you're looking at the prospectus that has to be issued before the IPO happens on it, and you're going to go, "Oh, this company doesn't actually make any money. Why am I buying shares in it? Because I'm a fan." Yeah, right. Okay. No, look, at the end, at the end of the day, where who is who? Where is the investment going to come into uh, these shares? Is the, the prospectus? The prospectus has to show an ongoing income. Absolutely. Now. Uh, the and, and so that depends on how they divvy up the, the, the revenue and the costs of this the whole thing to, to make that section of it profitable. Um, the and at the end of the day, who's going to be investing in it? Uh, it's going to be uh, KiwiSafe at the end of the day, which means it's got to be a good prospectus. Otherwise, KiwiSafe won't invest in it. If KiwiSafe doesn't get involved, then there basically there isn't enough money in New Zealand. I don't so, think. So, whoa, 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 back the truck up here. You're saying that KiwiSaver is going to be the, the New Zealand. Um, Superannuation fund is no, going to buy. No, 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 no. That's different. Superannuation fund is different to KiwiSafe. So KiwiSafe, um, you basically invest, and, and a bank has a, uh, a unit trust uh, invested invested in stocks. Dude, no, no, no. You got it wrong, man. This is like KiwiSafe is like yeah, you you got it right in the fact that okay, there's unit trusts in that, but they're they're basically buying blocks of a company on your behalf under a portfolio of a certain title. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, they're still going to do their homework on whether it does an ROI. If it doesn't do an ROI, they're not going to buy it. Well, that's what I said. It's the, the prospectus has to work because the 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 place where the money the, the place where the money is for investing in 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 stocks is is KiwiSafe. So if if you can't produce an ROI and a good prospectus, if you can't put a proper business case around why we should buy why people should buy it, it's not going to be man on the street going going to their bank and uh, going to their stockbroker and buying the shares. That's, That's the happen. sales pitch. That's the sales pitch from Foresight Bar and the RPA. Is the Fine. fact is that well these are these are the you know the, the New Zealand fans who own the team will be able to have ownership in it by buying shares. Absolutely, but people aren't going to do that. Yeah, and it's just like <laughs> the other thing is that if you look at the good KiwiSaver funds that are out there. They're not buying predominantly in the New Zealand market. They're oh, buying no, predominantly no. in the overseas market. Oh, exactly, predominantly. But still, mm. what what one one of the biggest investors in the New Zealand market is 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 is, is, is going to be KiwiSafe. If you don't get a part, if you don't get a proportion of that KiwiSafe, you're not. Yeah, and, and plus other funds, other, other places from other funds from other places, then you're not going to get. You're not going to raise that kind of capital. Capital is my is it would be would be would be my expectation. And I'm not an expert in the in, in the New Zealand market. I'll, I'll agree, but um, but no, so. yeah, I was going to say because um, the, the things that like I mean, it's not the first, there's IPOs going on all the time, and mm. the IPOs that go on don't rely on KiwiSaver. They they don't, simply don't because when you go back to I mean, like I haven't bought shares for a long time, but when I bought shares years ago, when I was single and had disposable income and no children, um, yeah, anyway, um, it was just like there was no KiwiSaver. Uh, all the um, um, shares were bought by um, either as individuals, and then they have a certain percentage that were always to inter- institutional investors. Um, but it wasn't KiwiSaver back then. 
So the, the KiwiSaver aspect is there. Um, that's just one aspect. It's not necessarily the main um, investor into any IPO that comes out. Yeah, okay. KiwiSaver is just like is in, is is basically is, is a is a wrapper for institutional it's, investors, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it, so it's still the institutional investors is where you've got to get that money from, right? At the end of the day, uh, that's where it's got to come from. Um, but um, and that that's what that's where you're going to that's where you're going to sell these shares. So you're not going to sell them on the street. It's not going to be individual shareholders. It's going to be institutional investors through um, various unit trusts, which are which is what whether you have it under Kiwi wrapper or not, or non Kiwi wrapper doesn't really matter too much. Um, but um, Kiwi say so, has increased the amount of money in that space uh, significantly because more people are, are are saving that way rather than just purely through houses anymore. But anyway, it, but, anyway, but um, yeah. it, it's whether it's through Kiwi Save or not. Kiwi Save is what most people are, are kind of. Uh, are, are aware of it's those institutional investors that are going to have to be persuaded to buy this it has to be a good prospectus otherwise they won't buy and it's not going to happen it's not a good prospectus now, we know that i, I understand here that um aaron said look new zealand rugby has not made a profit in many years that's fine but the point is um that uh, silver lake is investing in a, a, a company that is co-owned between New Zealand Rugby and Silver Lake. And the same would happen with the Forsyth Bar piece, right? And the question is, what is within that company and is that company profitable? Because mm. New Zealand Rugby then uses the profits from that to fund all its loss-making uh, grassroots provinces, okay? That's not part That's of... The, that, from with their dividend. Yeah, their dividend is used to cover to, to basically yep. pay the provinces. So the question there is, what do you put in there and does that piece make a prop? That piece has to make a profit um, because you're going to put all your income things in there. The question is, what costs do you put in there? And if you put next to no costs in there, then hey, it's nicely profitable for your, your institutional investors for their very small percentage. Mm. So now the prospectus can be can look very good because they have got some very they have got some very stable income streams that bring in cash. The question is, what costs are you going to are you packaging up with those income streams and we're not so much a rugby podcast here we're now we're now trying to be a financial um podcast but um but i i, I yeah no the, the, i said the, the prospectus can be good uh and it can it can show a steady income it'll be a utility style uh investment rather than a growth style investment um so you're looking so uh people people who would invest in your your, your electricity companies your, your water companies that kind of stuff will be the people who will be interested in this it's quite interesting the, the 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 more you make the um the profitable arm of the um organization attractive the more losses the other side will incur but as i said the whole and point it's quite funny because it's like the people that are screaming wildly about the fact that silver lake are going to start you know own new zealand rugby with 12 percent somehow um will then start screaming even more loudly when if if the commercial arm that's the shareholder arm doesn't perform as well as it's supposed to then there'll be even less funds in a dire situation for the non-profitable side of new zealand rugby which is the whole worry of the uh, rugby, New Zealand Rugby Players Association. Which, which, but but the thing is that so you got no differentiator differentiator between the Forsyth Bar deal 
and the Silver Lake deal, except what we said in the fact is that whether it's real or not, the perception for New Zealand rugby is, is that Silver Lake's going to bring in expertise to help them grow the game. If they take it to the stock market... Sorry, no, grow the income, the ex- not grow the game. Difference. Oh, well, yeah, but you yeah, grow the income. Okay. But at the end of the day, you grow the income, you grow the game. So, um, but it's like, where is the Forsyth Bar um, version going to bring the expertise in to grow the income? It's not. It's going to be the same people that are going to be there. Yep. Um, and this is the point, folks. Is that, yeah, look, Silver Lake is looking to grow the income. They're not going to care. They, their, their remit um, and everything they'll be giving responsibility over will not include how player numbers, for example. So they're not there for growing player numbers. They're there for growing the income streams uh, which are involved with the All Blacks, uh, the international teams, basically, potentially Super Rugby teams as well. But everything below that, they have no say in, no in, and, uh, and and no control over, because that'll be outside there. Out, out, that, that'll be outside of the, the piece that they have joint ownership of. Um, but there we go. Funny games. That's about it. Um, are you are you still awake, Stephen? On our business business. What's? <laughs> no, he's on mute. And he's on mute sure. as well. So he's he's on mute. There you go. So um, don't forget, folks, that um, we'll be back on Thursday with the uh, Super Rugby Preview um, show for Super Rugby Trans-Tasman Round 2. Uh, I'll be back, we'll be back tomorrow night with the uh, NRL, uh, the standoff show covering the NRL and the uh, A-League, uh, the, the Knicks newsletter. Uh, and I'll be here at 7 a.m. every single morning. Sorry, folks, I took this morning off because it's my birthday and had a lie-in. Uh, but um, good morning, sports. That makes two shows? At 7 a.m. That makes two shows in 400? Not a bad, bad, not a bad uh, run, that one. I think I might be up to about five, but even so, it's still oh, not. Not a bad run. <laughs> yeah, one in a hundred gets uh, gets missed. It's, I think it's, it's, it's pretty good. Ninety nine <laughs> days on the trot before the next before my next day off. <laughs> so, uh, so thank you, boys, for, for for holding the fort while I was out for dinner with the girls. Um, and um, thank you, everyone, for the happy birthday. And uh, catch you. Uh, should we wrap it up then? Where you going, man? Oh, I miss you already. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 